Hi, this is Vanessa Sunshine. Hi, this is Alicia. Hi, I'm Georgia Love. I'm Osha Ginsberg. If you're listening to the sound of my voice, you are on the Bachelor of Hearts podcast. What do you do with an arts degree? I'm still not sure I know. I skipped three years worth of lectures just to binge watch awful shows. There must be some scholarship for accruing worthless knowledge. It's my only talent, honey. That and losing money. Let your excess hex debts rest and then just join us while we start on our bachelor. Hello. Hello and welcome back to the Bachelor of Hearts podcast, the Bachelor Australia podcast that asks the question, are we not all whitewater rafting down the river of life? My name is Max <laughs> Quinn. Whitewater rafting down the river of life is Xavier Rebetsky Noonan. Xavier, hi. Hello. I can't swim. Um, yeah, I'm doing okay. It, it feels it, this is a very apt analogy as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> like life is really just kind of like that at the moment. But um, yeah, look, this is um, you know, I saw it and I thought you've come out of lockdown and but you still kind of like you got them lockdown feels. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, really, really apt. How are you going, Bachelor? Look, 100 episodes in, I'm ready for one more. I don't know how you feel. There are a lot of rumors that we would stop. Yeah, this is a, this is a victory lap, I think. Yeah, we've defied the critics. Everything from this point forward is kind of just bonus content. That's right. And uh, sponsored content as well. We'll get there. Yeah, absolutely. Plenty of that. This was, a, um, this was an interesting week of Bachelor Zave. The first episode, particularly short. I can't believe that they didn't make the most of the lockdown. Do you think that they could have done more with what they had? Yeah, absolutely. This is my like overwhelming sort of takeaway from, from this week. And in fact, this season is like something, for better or worse, like unbelievably interesting happened to yep. the show. Yep. And they tried their very best to minimize it as much as possible. Loving Lockdown was the most interesting thing to happen to The Bachelor in such a long time. Mm. And props to them for creating a new version of the show. Mm. I will say we missed a huge opportunity last week. I, I want to start here, right? The Mexican food date. Lockie's got his big pan of fucking mints. Do you know what? I'm proposing a new show, Loving Lockdown. Ooh, that's a great idea. Thank you. You know, yeah. I'm planning to make my famous guacamole tonight, and I'm excited about it. Do you want to talk guac recipes oh, real sure. quick? I mean, what do you put in it? There's not a lot to it, really. Um, I like to use avocados uh-huh. um, as sort of the Old. base for the guacamole. Yeah. Yep. Um, try not to put them in a blender, although if that's what you have <laughs> handy. Yeah. You get a whole one, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, the, put the whole blender in there as well. Yep. Yep. Um, and then I'm talking like a bunch of lime, um, mm-hmm. a bunch of Tabasco. Yes. Red onion, chopped yep. coriander, yep. Uh, salt, pepper. You know, just don't fuck around. But put in more of the like other ingredients than you think. Like I like a pretty uh, Tabasco-y guac, for example. So here's what I'll say to you: I put in a little Tabasco. I'll also put in just a squirt of sweet chili. Oh, interesting. It yeah, I do like to fuck tang. around. Maybe like a little like uh, sriracha, even or oh, I don't yeah. know. Maybe this is um, this is like not. <laughs> Approved of by the official guacamole board, the guac council, yeah, right, yeah. But I don't know. I mean, this lockdown—you got to get a little experimental. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, we are the two sweetest chilies on the block here on the Bachelor of Hearts <laughs> podcast. Xavier, let's dive in with some episode recaps. I got much more to say about feeling kind of let down that we didn't dive further into the lockdown content, but I've also right. got stuff to say about, God, everything that happened with Roxy and Juliet. Do you think we finally get to talk about cancel culture on this pod? <laughs> Is that what's going to happen? The long-awaited discussion. Thank goodness. Plus the fallout between Bella and Irina. Sure. So much yeah. to come as we break down The Bachelor Australia season. What? Is season it? eight, episode there we nine. Go. Nine. My normal little soundboard machine is not working this week, so I don't have <laughs> all my annoying voices at my disposal. I just have to use my normal one instead. So Irina narrates the intro and she says, We've been in lockdown for a few weeks and a lot has happened since we left the mansion. And we're one sentence in and I'm already like, it's showing its issues for me because like, yeah, firstly, I'm like, how many weeks has it been? Like, because I was under the impression that it had been a couple of months Right. And then also they're like, and a lot has happened since we left the mansion. And I'm like, you could have fooled me because I haven't seen a lot of it on the yeah, television. Yeah, show me. Show me and don't tell me. Yeah. The women start discussing the events of, quote, last night, um, specifically the situation between Juliet and Roxy. And, you know, this conversation immediately starts getting heated and it's extremely unclear what's actually led to this. Like, oh, do you think we're at this point we're still talking about the Roxy's secret boyfriend, like question yes. us on the group date thing? Uh, or are we talking about how maybe Juliet was going to start shit a few months ago or weeks ago, right. how long this was? Or how really Roxy's unclear. going to be with Lockie and he's actually going to be with Lockie. <laughs> and are you joking? Oh, dear. Dear me. It's so weird to think about like the the tension that informs this dynamic. And I think that we'll see it a little bit with Bella and Irina later. But mm. it is one of those things where maybe to the show's benefit or to the benefit of the tropes that the show likes to lean into being away from each other kind of has exacerbated the drama because it's mm. much harder to resolve conflict over zoom in like your limited increments you know and i don't know That's are the true. women texting each other do they have those options well i i'm asking that constantly during these yeah. episodes because you know, the the narrative itself is a little bit disjointed in a few places. And I think I'm going to highlight that as this episode goes on. Um, so, like, we're talking about something that happened, quote unquote, last night, but it was a week ago for us and it was maybe a couple of months ago for them. Right. Or, you know, that type of thing keeps happening. And so it becomes so necessary for us to have that context and the detail of, like, what the environment is really like for them. Yeah. But I think the show is just not interested or not capable of presenting that stuff i have a solution Hit break the fourth wall this is what we do you say last episode yeah well exactly like fucking this is unprecedented times lean into it tell us that you know that you're filming a tv show and say look in the last episode this happened or right. at the last cocktail party which was a few days ago blah, blah, blah. you know what i mean like use the tv terminology so that we can like if we're going to be in this weird delineated timeline where nothing is real and yeah. time doesn't exist as a concept because we're all locked down anyway. Right. Fucking cool. Okay. Just tell me that and tell me that we're separating these chunks of times called episodes. Yeah. Like that's how many episodes have you been in lockdown for? God knows. I guess maybe that in some way is one of the more effective things that the show is doing is emulating that sense of timelessness yeah. that I think we all experienced to varying degrees over the last several months of just being like, fuck, was that a week ago or was that like two months ago? Right. Did that happen this morning? Right. Yeah. What did I have for breakfast? I don't know. Uh, Christmas cake? Like Christmas pudding? <laughs> um, yeah. So, so Osha arrives with the good news that as of next week, you'll be returning to the mansion. And... 
he says as of next week, but obviously it happens in TV time the next day. This stuff is all really confusing. I guess like I'm I'm curious and I want to like voice this to you and maybe you know start a discussion around it. How much do you think that it would actually hurt the show to be clear about when things are happening? And by that I mean like. What would they stand to lose hypothetically by literally just like having the date pop up on the lower third? Like, because I, I understand that for narrative reasons, it's convenient for them to be able to cut back and forth and that sort of thing. Yeah. I think that the show is comfortable letting you fill in the gaps here. And the reason why is partially because of the like um, varying degrees of success that different states have had in flattening the curve and that Australia kind of went up and then it was down and then it's fine in some places and not fine in other places. Sure. I think it really leans into that, that level of like, you know, no one knows what's happening. And as you say, like that's an effective technique as to what they stand to lose. I don't know. How long did they keep filming for after we went into proper, proper lockdown? Like if you think Mm. about the, uh, I'm looking at uh, the Australian government website here that they talked about beginning to, ease the coronavirus restrictions to the first time on May the 1st. Right. Which means that what you're probably seeing is that what is being recorded here is happening between, I would guess, mid-May, early June, roughly. It might be when they get back to the mansion. Yeah, I had heard June tossed around. It is a bit unclear. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I guess it's just like... I, I agree with what you mean about like different states being locked down, different amounts and that sort of thing. And like... um wanting to create a space in which we're not worrying about that stuff as much. Right. But also I think the show's kind of trying to have its cake and eat it too, in the sense that like they are benefiting from the fact that it is in New South Wales, in Sydney, in an area where they are able to continue making the show. I mean like, yeah, I, yeah. my, my overall like reading from this, and I maybe thought I was going to talk about it later in this episode, but it was something that just kept bothering me is that, you know, it is, I have this sense in my gut that popped up a few times that like, maybe this is a little bit frivolous and a little bit too trivial to be worrying right. about right now. And like, right. I am a huge fan of this TV show. I've been watching it for many years. We've been doing this podcast for a hundred years, I believe. <laughs> and like, you know, I think that uh, it, being somebody in New South Wales who is trying to be very selective about the places that I go and the risks that I'm willing to take. And I know you're yeah. in the same boat. And I think a lot of people are as well. Um, I can't imagine what this would feel like if you were living in Victoria and just seeing them like, cause like they could just keep doing it over zoom for the rest yeah. of the season, you know? Yeah. There I are... want everything to be worth it, you know? Or at least I think at the start, they should have maybe spent 30 seconds of the show being like, Hey, everybody here has been tested. Everyone's totally healthy. There's no danger here. It's all going to be okay. And like, we're, you know, these are some of the restrictions because like the restrictions and stuff would be making things more interesting anyway. 100%. And so we see in footage that has leaked and stills that have leaked that all the producers are getting around wearing masks. Sure. They put the girls in masks going from location to location. I, I agree with you. I think that that should be addressed firstly from a leadership perspective, because we need this show to lead the way for mm, all of Australia that is engaging. It doesn't matter what level of education you have. It doesn't matter uh, what level of um, socioeconomic background you mm. sit at. This is a show that speaks to multiple people, white people, I guess, but people from multiple backgrounds, <laughs> you know, and it is one of those things where, like, it is powerful to see a show like that take the lead and be in charge. I draw sports analogies all the time. Look at what has happened 
So the NRL is interesting because all of it is happening inside this like largely Queenslandy situation. Same mm. with moving the AFL grand final. Having that context makes it understandable, makes it interesting, mm. leads you to be more forgiving. With what's going on in the NBA, they're conducting everything inside a bubble. They're getting right. tested twice a day. We know all this because the information is out and it's of public you know, uh, import. It's of yeah. relevance. Yeah. And it's of huge relevance to what's happening here on the show too. Right. And it, and it provides context. It's not just like important and interesting, but it also makes the, the things that are happening on this show more interesting as well. well. Yeah. It makes it feel safer. It makes it feel more permissible to engage with because mm. at the moment I'm sort of like, yes, it's a fun fantasy that we're engaging in, but it's also like, is it, as you say, irresponsible? Totally. And then on top of that, you also have like, you know, Lockie and Irina and Bella and all these people that we know, like the fact that they are still continuing to pursue this thing through whatever difficulties or challenges that, that making the show through coronavirus raises right. that on a relationship and narrative level also makes it more interesting because it's like, if you're willing to go back to the man, like if it's important for you to go back to the mansion so that you can continue doing this project that you've committed to, you know, because yeah. otherwise I will just sit here and think like this is a cynical kind of like cash grabby sort of thing that they just want to keep making their TV show so they don't lose money. Here's the other thing. We're going back to the mansion next week. How long are we spending in quarantine? Right, exactly. That part I want is... to know that information because like all of a sudden you look at them, they're running down the fucking red carpet. They're doing kissy kissy on yeah. the face. Like what is happening here? And if they're spending time in quarantine, what is that time like? You know, like I want right. to watch that. Yeah. I'm way more interested in that than, like, whatever is going to keep happening at the mansion for the rest of the next few weeks. And often, like, so many of those moments of levity that we get from the mansion are in those moments of downtime. And, Mm. like, yeah, look, maybe all the women are in isolation, but tell me about how bored you are. Like, that's going to make you so relatable to me. And part of it, I'm sure, is that we did lose Laura. We lost Ariba. We lost so many of our fun narrator characters. Mm. But fucking, like, Caitlin's great. Talk to me about what Caitlin's doing in lockdown. Her bit on gardening last week yeah. is fucking fun. Totally. Like, imagine her sitting in a in a hotel quarantine room being like, I'm so bored. I've watched seven episodes of The Price is Right. <laughs> I still don't know what The Price is. And all this stuff that we, we get into on these two episodes, which is about like, oh, are you texting him or is he texting you or who's doing the calls and that kind of thing. That's all so informed by the situation that they're in when those calls right. are happening. Right. And but, here's the other thing. Send receipts. Yeah. Well, I saw somebody raise, like, we should just fucking post the screenshots. Like, yeah. whatever whatever was going on, like, you know, let's just give the fucking day. I realize that they're probably not going to do that. It's a bit of a pipe yeah. dream. But I'm like, all of that stuff is so juicy and so interesting. And, you know, everyone's obviously entitled to their privacy and that sort of thing. And, like, there is a bit of a, a distinction and a line between, like, when you are being in the mansion and shooting a TV show and, like, everything else that has become roped into that for these people. 100%. But, I mean, like, it in order to, like, understand the narrative and to create a stronger narrative and to do the things that this season gives the potential for, um, there needs to be a bit more of that exploration. And to that end, I mean, there are so many different pods that live within this um, batchy Australia universe. The but one only that- one that is worthy of five stars on iTunes. <laughs> I was going to say the one that seems to uh, 
be more uh, geared towards giving the tea the so dramatic pod. Like, I really expect that something's going to come out of there where she's Megan is going to end up with a bunch of screenshots and mm. all that kind of stuff, which is sick. You know, it's not the purpose of what we do on this podcast. No. I think that we like to talk about the, you know, choices and the ethical reasons behind why X means Y or what X means for Y. But, you know, um, for that to live and have a place in this universe and for her to not get sued while she's doing it. Right. Cool, right? And maybe there's something interesting to come out of that too. Yes. Um, I will say that our podcast has more jingles and so therefore is better. But <laughs> uh, Anyway, where were we? Osha. Osha, he pops in and he says, four of the ladies are invited on a group date where they're going to be joined by a family member each. So it's a little trial run of the hometowns. Bella, Steph, Nicole, and Roxy. And Ro- Roxy is a little bit concerned. She says, maybe if he meets my mum, he'll find out why I'm mental. Hmm. Um, my mum, my mortal enemy. I know. What is this? You need to this talk to so your mum more. Weird. Fix yeah. that relationship. Think about like uh, apples and trees here, you know? <laughs> and where things are falling? Yes, precisely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Roxy's mum seems like one of the better ones, honestly. She's she like... Seems chill, doesn't she? Yeah. She's like, oh, you know, um, Lockie, you seem nice. You seem genuine on TV, but we don't really know a lot about you. Fair. Yeah. Um, she says, I hope that you're here for the right reasons. Oh my God, she's so mental. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't have expected anyone on this show to say that. No way. Um, and then she also explains that Roxy has an alter ego who comes out when she's angry named Rhonda. And Rhonda is named after professional mixed martial artist, current professional wrestler, and the 10th lead of Fast and Furious 7, Ronda Rousey. Max, did you know if you Google Ronda Rousey, there are a handful of videos that pop up of Ronda Rousey answering popular Google searches about Ronda Rousey? <laughs> you know, I met Ronda Rousey once. Stop it. Really? Yeah, she's very nice. Wait, so you you pissed off Roxy or... Yeah, yeah, no, I did. That's what happened. Yep. Um, I pissed off Roxy and she was, um, you know, kind enough to come into the radio studio. And um, no, she was super nice. So I just ran into her the hallway and she was like, where's the bathroom? And I was like, there it is. And she was like, cool. Oh, sick. She sounds like a yeah. legend. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I have two of these Google search things that I want to play, if that's okay. Great. I am extremely ticklish. I am violently ticklish. Don't tickle me. Don't see what happens. It's bad. Uh, and here's the other one. What's the best beach in Los Angeles? Well, the reason why I like it so much is that not so many people know about it. So the last thing I'm going to do is tell everyone on Google. So sorry, I'll just have to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. This is great marketing from Google. Yeah, I just Googs, like who knew. Yeah, thanks, Googs. I just like that they like invited her on to answer these questions, and then she's like, "I'm sorry, I'm not going to be answering that question." <laughs> <laughs> to my personal benefit, that one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, I'm curious about what happens if you tickle Roxy. Oh yeah, I don't know. There's because Rhonda be, does um, not respond yeah. well. <laughs> I um, <laughs> there's a rap thing here. Rhonda rhymes. <laughs> Is that someone? It's Shonda rhymes, the Grey's Anatomy creator. Oh, of course. You know we've been yeah. watching Grey's Anatomy. Me too. Danny and I Stop have it. as well. Yeah, That's yeah, really yeah. That's really funny. <laughs> How far through are you? We're on season one, like uh, maybe six or seven episodes in. I think, from memory, the second season is where it starts getting really, really good. Yeah, that's uh, precisely where we're in the middle of the second season at the moment. Oh, amazing. And then, like, obviously, there's like 14, 15 seasons now 17, or something. I think, yeah. I was, I was listening to a podcast today where they were talking about Grey's Anatomy, and they were saying that that show will basically keep going as long as, um, what's her name? The actress Ellen who plays Pompeo. Meredith. Yeah, as long as she wants to keep doing it. 
And Ellen Pompeo is one of the highest paid actresses on TV. She doesn't do anything else. And she's just like, I have decided that this is what my life is, is being Meredith Grey. Which is phenomenal. It's good for her. And do you know, this is so surprising. I looked this up the other day. Ellen Pompeo is 50 years old. She looks incredible. She looks amazing. They all yeah. look amazing. Like that True. guy who plays uh, the jerk intern doctor, Alex Karev. He's mm. 50 years old. Um, Catherine Heigl's the only one who's a little bit younger. I think she was mm. like, she might be in her early 40s now. Yeah. But all of them, like doing this job, well, take us back 17 years, were in their early 30s and looking fucking phenomenal. True. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're going to start a Grey's Anatomy podcast at this rate. <laughs> <laughs> Steph's dad asks why Lockie hasn't taken her on a date yet. Fair question. Uh, Lockie tries to sort of... Hold well, on. Hold... Wait, sorry. What? We're in the midst of what now? Uh, I don't know. Some kind of pan something. I don't know. <laughs> Panopticon? Yeah, yeah. Global ban flute conference. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um... I mean, the the thing is, like, it's a fair question for The Bachelor. Maybe it's a slightly less fair thing in terms of... But, you know, the, yeah. the, we're stretching the term date pretty far this season, <laughs> right? We sure are. Yeah, for what um for what a date now encompasses, yes, Lockie has not taken Steph on a, on a virtual Zoom. Right. We'll get to that, I think, with, with one of Beck's dates, which really just seems to be, like, a conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yes, okay. Uh, Nicole's sister asks, "Do you reckon you'll get Nicole back in the mansion with you?" And they literally don't show him answering that question. Oh, they just cut straight away. Prescient. <laughs> Yikes. Um, and I don't know. Bella's mum is just like kind of glad to hear that Lockie wants to have kids, and it seems like it's going pretty well. Yeah. The four girls from the group date then reconvene on another group call. Um, which, as far as I'm concerned, mostly just exists to strengthen the divide between Roxy and the rest of them. Mm-hmm. Roxy is unhappy that her mum talked about her being a head case. Uh, <laughs> and so she's very grumpy when it seems like Bella's chat went well. This is the first time in Bachelor history that someone has accused their own mother of throwing them under the bus. <laughs> it's always somebody with Roxy. Oh, boy. If not even your mum can be on your good side mm. what chance does Lockie have that's rough what were you gonna do come hometowns you know what was the plan <laughs> yeah this is my uh this is my cousin Rhonda <laughs> you imagine she runs into a different room puts Weak. on a fake moustache yeah yeah <laughs> um and then there's another group call with Roxy Maddie and Irina Roxy explains that Bella's mum and Lockie had a good long chat and it's clearly brought Bella and Lockie closer, which is a bit weird because, like, surely Roxy wasn't on that call. Like, right. This feels right. a bit like pot stirring to me. It is. I'm sure it is pot stirring on the, produce, uh, the part of the producers because what we're doing is giving someone secondhand information intentionally, you know? Yeah. And, like, to be fair, Bella did say in that chat, Oh, mum's ready to give him the keys to the beach house, which, sure. by the way, give him the keys to the beach. Do you want to give him the keys to the BMW as well, mate? <laughs> That's true. I didn't really think about that too much. I kind of take it for granted that everyone on this show is just like a level of wealth that I will never achieve. Nor or aspire understand. to. Yes. Right. Um, Irina is a bit upset that Bella got the extra time and not her. She says, I feel like I'm constantly the loser in this friendship. It's kind of like me with you. Um, And I don't know. I mean, like, there's not really enough context to really work out what's going on here. And it finishes with Irina saying, I think friendship's done now. Yeah. To my my understanding, there's not a huge amount, like, 
that we see that feeds into this and we just kind of it's starting to lay the groundwork for something that they'll explore a bit more later it seems to happen uh off screen and the first thing i say is we should have known we absolutely should have known that the show was not going to give us a beautiful narrative of female friendship, which is what I was hoping for. And instead they were going to use it as a springboard to turn one of them into a massive villain. Right. We were so quick to applaud it, I think, when that happened the other week. I was just like, it's so so nice because it's so interesting and rich with like humanity. Yes, yes, exactly. (laughs) But instead, no, we have soured the pudding instead and, there's, I mean, the problem is that all of the conflict um, that informs the conflict that we see on screen happens mm. off screen. Right. So we don't really have that much of an account of it. How much of it happens over text? How easy mm. is it to mm. interpret one thing versus the other? And we can see, obviously, the producers stoking the flames with an amount of like purposely giving Arena secondhand information. And mm. then the other thing that's interesting is like we see some of the like maybe um insecurity or difficulty that Bella's dealing with. You, a few a few weeks ago she talks about how Bella's like the worst version of Irina. She refers to herself mm. or she refers to Irina as the better version of her. Right. And so for those two things to sort of like come into play when I don't know, uh it sure seems like Irina might be a threat to Bella getting what she wants mm. then you know i don't i don't mean to presuppose but at the same time who knows maybe bella's not that used to not getting what she wants maybe i do get the impression that this is going to be a conflict that will keep like developing definitely and being a focus until probably the end of the show it feels like a blood feud it like this is game mm. of thrones and it feels like it's something that is just like going to um Daenerys and lannister us all of the way until the end of this season did i get those names right i have no idea it's one of those things like when we're talking about prestige tv which obviously i haven't watched (laughs) and and i never will but um you get the impression that those relationships are very well explored and built up from the ground level and that kind of thing yeah whereas on this tv show it's almost as if like production or you know whoever's sort of uh constructing in the narrative here um, has noticed this starting to happen and tried to quickly play catch up with it. Right, right. And so it's happened, um, instead of building it up from the ground floor, they've more built it towards the West Wing. <laughs> uh, that was uh, breaking good. <laughs> <clears throat> so, all right, let's talk about this thing, because this is probably my, <laughs> this is my moment. Sopran, Yes. <laughs> Lucky is standing in the kitchen having some toast with peanut butter and butter. Fucked. Indulgent. This is not allowed. So this is a, this is a big point of conflict in my household. <laughs> Danny's like, you have peanut butter and butter. And I'm like, no, I don't. And she's like, why not? That's what the proper way of doing it is. And for me, like, give it to me dry. I want a mm. slather of peanut butter and then mm. I want it on dry toast. But Danny thinks that the butter makes the toast. In fact, I'll go get it now. Hold on, hold on. Oh, okay, good. I, yeah, I'd like to hear this. So Max just said that you guys are arguing over butter and peanut butter. I don't think we're arguing about it. I think he and I are maybe on the same page. Ew, so you're one of those. <laughs> Talk to me about when you are making a piece of toast with peanut butter. Like, how, how do you like it and why? So when I'm making a piece of peanut butter toast, I feel like a piece of peanut butter toast, not a mouthful of sand. (laughs) 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 Which is why I put butter down first. 
Mm. Otherwise, you may as well just like buy a packet of breadcrumbs or a bag of sand and just eat it. Like it goes all dry <laughs> and it sticks to the roof of your mouth. It's disgusting. I think peanut butter, but it's it's a li- it's a more liquidy thing than like peanuts. Like you know, I think I would have peanut butter if I wanted to have that texture that peanut butter has, which is sort of pasty and a little gooey. Yeah. Otherwise, I would maybe think about having I don't know jam or like uh, just a, a, a juice. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's like. It's like putting on a primer on before your makeup. Like it just mm. prepares like the that. base. It's about preparing the bread. It's not about the peanut butter. Oh, that's a really good point. I can't really argue with that. Yeah. Like if you just put makeup on like dry skin, it's going to be all crunchy. Mm. But like if you Some people prime... like crunchy peanut butter though. I will say that. And one of them is me. Yeah, but that's the peanut butter. Again, you guys are not realizing that this is really about preparing and priming the bread for the ultimate experience it is it is indulgent it is like you know it's a way to maximize the peanut butter experience i just think it's disgusting the other way so <laughs> does that well, help thank you oh that's great yeah thank you cool. so much awesome all right nice to it's see you. good to see you yeah bye, you guys. too bye look that's the wrong opinion but um i can hear you <laughs> 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 um... <laughs> That's funny. Hey, Evie, do you have a second? Yeah. Would you like to quickly come on mic and just talk about whether or not you should have butter with peanut butter? Hi, Evie. You should have butter with peanut butter. Butter is not an active ingredient in peanut butter, and it just makes it a little bit sweeter, you know, sweet and salty. It's nice. I was raised on it. Well, can't win them all. <laughs> yeah, I know. Apparently not. Um, what do we do wrong? Well, we both need to dump our partners. <laughs> but okay, so I don't know if we need to get her again, but there's another thing with this peanut butter that I think okay. is just truly from another planet. Let's go. Um, so, okay, so what happens here is Osha, quote unquote, turns up unannounced over Zoom. I think they're trying to create this moment that happens all the time pretty normally on the show. And I don't know why they're trying to do it over, <laughs> over Zoom. Lockie says, I've learned through this process that when Osha turns up unannounced, it's going to be something crazy. Um, But the other thing that I notice while this is happening and while any sensible viewer will be looking at the very handsome and perfect man, Osha Ginsberg, popping up on the screen, Mm -hmm. Lockie is in the background of the shot, somewhat out of focus, putting away the peanut butter and he puts it in the fridge. Wrong. That's we can we can all agree that that is wrong. That is Insane behavior. Okay, so do you want it to be a one solid chunk? Is that what you imagine, want? Do you want it to coagulate like that? That's not what I want. It'll be firmer than an actual peanut. That's not what I want. That's not right. You're going to have to grind that thing again. How are you when gonna, you get do out you squeeze it out and does it thug out? <laughs> you like, does that the sound that it makes? How are you doing this? Are you treating it like a fucking tube of honey, mate? <laughs> My ultimate question is that does this mean that room temperature peanut butter is too fluffy? Good. Anyway, Osha tells him he'll be taking a brand new woman on a single date. Not like a baby. I mean, like <laughs> just new to the show. <laughs> Freshly minted. Yeah. Her name is Beck. 
Um, he watches a little video package about her. She is, quote, always up for an adventure, loves to get up and get active and do something crazy. I found out a few things about Beck that were not in this package. Do you want to hear about yes. them? Yes. Do a little bit of research. Did you know that she was actually married up until about a year ago? No, I did not. Yeah. Um, she and her ex were married for about 15 years, believe it or oh, not. Really? Yeah. Yeah, interesting. E- even weirder, um, Beck's mother is a midwife, and she actually delivered her ex when, when they were born. Oh. Yeah. This is fascinating. Yeah, I know. Isn't this crazy? They should have talked about this on the show. This is all, like, very, very relevant information for me. Mm. But yeah, now she's on the market, and since the breakup before that one inspired 2002's sea change, it'll be really interesting to hear what comes from this shift in Beck's life. (laughs) Okay, Sigrid Thornton, let's move on. (laughs) Okay. Um, Yeah, all right. It's not experimental alt-rocking Scientologist (laughs) Beck. (laughs) I wish it was. That would be an interesting way to spice up this season. Um, it is a very conventionally attractive white blonde lady. There she is. Great. I'm glad that we finally have one of these on the show. Uh, Just what we were missing is the missing ingredient. Right. And she tells him how much she likes being outdoors and she sits there being attractive. And Lockie says, all the boxes are being ticked and that sort of Isn't thing. Isn't it incredible that he talks about this woman like she's a fish? <laughs> you know what? Like he went out into the ocean and he pulled one in and he's like, "It's amazing, yeah. blimey! Oh, she's bloody, she's incredible!" <laughs> we, like kiss it and throw it back, mate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm getting real Richie vibes from him, actually. Fuck yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, remember when R- Richie would just say like everyone was absolutely gorgeous all the time and then nothing yeah. else? Yes, exactly. Yeah, you need someone to uh, do the emotional heavy lifting of like what. Um, what their personality is and describe it and mm. whether or not he's good at that. I, I like, I think that he's good in conversation. Like we see right. him and we see it when he gets frustrated with Roxy a little bit as well, that he's got a different um, perspective and that he does have his opinions, but it might just come down to the fact that maybe he's not as um, good at giving the, like at laying the emotional, setting the emotional table. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. I don't mean to say that he's not connecting with these women and like listening to them and stuff. Like yeah. that was a problem I have with Richie that I'm not having here, yeah. but he's not really, I mean, you know, he'll have a first impression of someone and he's required to give a comment on it. And he doesn't really seem to have a lot to say to right. differentiate these people. And at this point, why would you? Um, sure. Like here are your 16 beautiful women. Yes. <laughs> Cool. Cool. This one's nice. <laughs> um, so the nine other women jump on Zoom and Steph very subtly applies some Blistex lip balm in front <laughs> of the camera. And I would like to premiere my new jingle. Extremely, extremely subtle. Sponsored. Sponsored. Content. Content. Products. That's a hit. I think it's quite good. I'm yeah. happy with it and potentially we'll put it on iTunes and make a million dollars from it. It's, um, it really speaks to me in a way that I, you know, it didn't hit me over the head. Mm. Yeah, exactly. You know what well, I mean? it is one of those things that it's just like nuanced. It's like, yep. you know, yeah, totally. I'm glad that you noticed that. Quite understated. Right. Yeah. Um, Osha reveals that Lockie is on a single date right now. With a new woman, <gasps> a baby. 
Um, there's footage of Irina saying, I'm absolutely shocked. I can't believe this is happening. This is crazy. And then less than 30 seconds later, there's footage of Irina saying, why am I not surprised? <laughs> I think they were like, we have to delete one of these. And then they just forgot. <laughs> um, and then Izzy says, it's a bit of a kick in the dick, isn't it? Which to me is poetry. That's good. It, yeah, we'll mm. keep that. It, she was very um, Murray from Friday the Flight of the Concords when she was delivering that. <laughs> True, yeah. I wonder if the there's duck. a bit of bit of New Zealand in her somewhere. <laughs> bit of a cuck in the duck. Sorry to our Kiwi listeners. Uh, we love you. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Remember a hundred years ago when we did a uh, season of New Zealand Bachelor? With Zick Frinich. With nope. Zuck Frinich? Nope. All bad. It's all no. bad. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh Osha says she'd like you to look at this. And then another video package starts to play, which was clearly not designed for these women to have to watch. She talks a bit more about how she loves adventures and she loves jumping off things and she doesn't even like spicy food and she thinks anyone who does is probably dumb and bad. <laughs> she also looks forward to she also says she looks forward to quote the physical part and quote being able to touch. Oh, God. Did they switch up the tapes and, like, this is the one that she wanted to send Lockie and the other one? This is what I think, too. I feel like they were maybe like, okay, cool. Beck, this is a weird environment. Probably what's going to have to happen is that we'll use the packages that we pre-shot and pre-tape for you as an intruder and we'll play one of them to Lockie over Zoom and we'll play one of them to the women. So you'll make a women package and you'll mm. make a Lockie package. Mm. And they were like, oops. They didn't put the labels on the tapes <laughs> and an intern was walking down the hallway and dropped them. Yep. And then they went, oh, nobody will notice if I just... Uh, oh. <laughs> um, and then Beck and Lockie have a nighttime video call, which I believe, is this their date? I think this is what their date is. Right. I didn't even take note of it properly because it really... They refer to this as, a, as well, she, when she has an actual date in the next episode, they refer to that as her second date. So I'm yeah. kind of going back and trying to connect the dots and figure out what they're counting. What, was she also, was, did she get the peanut butter date, do you think? <laughs> yeah, does that count as a date? Last in which week, he made tacos. This week, <laughs> peanut butter on toast with Beck. Well, to be honest, you get a real insight into Lockie's like life and his interiority and that sort of thing just from learning those couple of things about how he handles his peanut butter situation. Oh yeah. Did like, you were, you were you able to grasp whether it was smooth or crunchy? No. No. I um bet it's smooth. Uh yeah, it probably is. Knowing mm, Yeah. Like this is the kind of dude who buys a smooth peanut butter. Yeah, he's like that's crunchy. All that it needs sounds difficult. Him. <laughs> so Beck asks why Lockie is single And he says that one reason is that he can tend to be a bit selfish without realising it And I think what he's getting at is that he thinks that there's things that he can only do while he's single So that stops him from like actively pursuing a relationship and getting involved with somebody Sure But it's odd phrasing because it also kind of sounds like he's admitting to there being something wrong with him which ah. he's not. Like he's the bachelor not. Bachelor is expressly forbidden to do. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. But it's like you know, I think it would be so interesting if you're like, oh, well, I have been selfish to people, and therefore that has driven them out of being in relationships with me. Yeah. When in actual fact, what he's saying is like, oh no, like I'm just doing my own thing. Yeah, I mean, the real answer is I voted her off the island during All Stars. <laughs> well, and that's, that's true. Why I'm single. Yeah. Yeah, which again has not been addressed by the show. Come on. He was, like, publicly, perhaps famously known for being in a relationship. <laughs> in a relationship with Brooke. Right, yeah. right. 
So this is one of those things where I, I don't know. I just, I think that um, there's an amount of um, ownership from Lucky here that I really like. Yeah, I guess so. Like it's ownership in a way, but also I feel like he could go more in depth into what that means. Sure. Beck says that she wants somewhere between two and six kids. <laughs> it's like quite specific and non-specific at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I want to eat between two and six ice creams. <laughs> um, same. Lucky says there's a rose tucked away behind her, and so she gets to accept it. Can you imagine, though, just for one sec, if he just didn't? <laughs> like, I think it would be such an amazing move to be presented with an intruder and just go like, eh, no, thanks. Not interested. Has that? That's never happened, right? It does seem like this woman was custom made for Lockie based on his like wish list of specific interests on right. all the boxes that he wanted ticked, as he says. Yeah. And this is kind of how the women respond to her as well. Yeah. We'll get to that in a sec. Um, but before that, there's a supercut of women getting ready for the cocktail party where we see Nicole very subtly using the Garnier Micellar water that's sponsoring the show. Extremely. You know, it's funny, normally they do their, like, makeup and beauty stuff off camera, but I guess, like, maybe in lockdown there's just, like, a bit less control they have over the footage that they get and that sort of That's thing. That's it, you know, and it's one of those things where it's just, like, what can you do? What are you supposed point, to do? Look, we've done TV stuff on the ABC before. You're not meant to mention brands, but sometimes someone shows up in a shirt that says, I don't know, Nike or something. Like, yeah, it'll it'll happen. Sometimes it, it, it just sneaks you. in. Yeah. But thankfully, it was it was very subtle. Roxy is skeptical of Beck's intentions, saying, quote, I'm like full suspect on this chick. Hey, you can't come in looking like that at the very end. Like, I'm here to find love with Lockie. It's like, are you, babe? Are you? <laughs> I think it's, it's like, it's, it's interesting to think about how insecurity affects people in this environment and on this show. Right. Like... I, I... I wonder if what we're seeing from Lockie is a manifestation of m maybe some insecurity that she hasn't 100% addressed um, to the camera. Do you mean Roxy? You said Lockie. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I do mean Roxy. Yeah, that makes more sense. Yeah. Lockie doesn't seem to have any insecurity at all, <laughs> which is bizarre. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's it's a little armchair psychologist at this point to like look at what Roxy is, um, what what's going through her head at this point. Yeah. Um, it does make me wish that she could just like quietly stew in her own self-hatred like a normal person does <laughs> <laughs> instead of externalizing it. But there are, yeah. you know, there's different kinds of people. I, yeah, I understand the, that. The other thing that, um, maybe wasn't my favorite thing where she was like, I'm going to just straight out say that this woman's too hot to have good intentions. Right. Right. Hot people can have good intentions. <laughs> yeah. Just, just take Max, for example. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's a good point. Roxy tells Maddie that she's seen Beck before. She says, quote, I, I think she's one of those Instagram influencer model people. Heaven oh, yeah. forbid. <laughs> On The Bachelor? Say it ain't so. No. <laughs> and then Beck and Juliet, quote unquote, drop into the chat again. Like, not a thing that can happen. Um, this but is they so pop, funny. They pop in to sort of rile up Roxy even more. Um, Juliet says, now that you've spoken to Beck, do you want to backtrack on saying that her connection with Lucky's purely <laughs> physical? 
That's maybe the most pure evil thing that Juliet has done, I think. Like Ah, oh, I totally agree. So this is this is where we get to talk about probably she's like, oh, I'm just calling her out, babes. Right. Like, don't you know about that? That's what this is is. Yeah, 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 yeah. <sighs> I don't know if that's really I'm what not sure we're that dealing it is. with here. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, look, I um I'm a staunch proponent of call out culture. I mm. think that um is a means through which equality can be reached. Mm. What I will say is that I don't. I think this might be appropriation of call out culture. Yeah, to a degree, because she's kind of like, "Hey, I'm just speaking the truth." Right, this right, is, right. It's all yeah. on camera. There's just some five G in the water. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yeah, just exactly. think about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's that similar thing, I think, where it's like you know just starting a conversation or whatever where it's like we it doesn't serve anyone to be having this conversation right now and in fact yeah you know a lot of the time i don't know if this necessarily tracks when we're talking about call outs and and like quote-unquote cancel culture and all that sort of stuff but often it does it is a two-way street in the sense that like it it can often involve or include the person who is doing the calling out yes yeah definitely and it can involve um a demonstration of uh, a bad behavior. Right. As well. And so, like, those core elements are there, but it is it is more complex than that. And I think that it is presented as less complex than that, and I would argue perhaps by the producers to Juliet. Mm. You know? I think the, the call-out slash cancel culture discussion is probably too big for us to be having within sure the context is. of this. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, suffice it to say that like, this is not, I don't think Juliet is a hundred percent innocent in just like, just raising it and putting it on the table and <laughs> just throwing it out there what happens. in front of your face right? to make you I, feel bad. Yeah, exactly. Cause I think this happens quite a bit in reality TV where it's like, Hey, listen, it's not technically incorrect as far as you know, <laughs> therefore I get to say it to you. Can we segue real quick into Tim Hanley's Instagram getting hacked? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, okay. Let's. I mean, this is a bit off topic, but yes, let's go for it. I was just thinking about another one of our Instagrammers who uh, <laughs> does this exact thing where he's like, I'm just saying, just asking the question, smiley face. What sure. do you think about that? Tim getting hacked, his front runner, his brand that he's trying to launch. Mm-hmm. He um, got a text message from someone who's obviously trying to reset his account and he provided his... Um, information to the text message. Yes. The text message posing as Instagram being like, your account is compromised, which is so funny. And it's a real classic, pretty easy and scam. Yeah. Oh. And then he posted Tim. on Instagram being like, oh, something's gone wrong. Instagram, can you help? Insta- at Instagram is at my Instagram. favorite. That's so, <laughs> like, it's such an influencer behavior to be like, um, daddy. Yeah. <laughs> give. You're listening, right? You see, you see all my posts. <laughs> <laughs> the um, the other thing was the caption. This is so sincere. The help, just lowercase help, help. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know if we have to do a whole segment every week on like no. weird influencer behavior. Uh, there was another one. There's the uh, whole what's... show's weird influencer behavior. Let's, Absolutely, yeah. yeah. There, there was another one that I quickly, really, really quickly wanted to mention, which is that. Um, do you remember Clancy from Georgia Love Season? Oh, so vaguely. Yeah, just real vaguely. Um, I mainly remember that his name was Clancy, and that's about it. Yeah. Um, he a little while ago was sharing like All Lives Matter stuff, 
Um, oh, no. Like this, you know, inspirational looking picture of like a sea of multicolored hands um, holding hands or whatever. And, and then with the hashtag, like all lives matter, um, oh, no. not just the black ones. Um, he shared some footage of um, the police presence at a Melbourne anti-lockdown rally um, that was happening, I think, over the weekend or maybe a couple of days ago. Uh-huh. Uh, and he was like, fuck, Melbourne's gone to the dogs or whatever. Because he was filming the police who had showed up to like stop people from mass gathering to protest the lockdowns. Just That's like, a, like you've fi- identified a no-win situation, Clancy. Right. And no matter which side of the fence you come down on, you've got a bad take. Yeah, Clancy, uh, you're you're not going to find a pro-police take coming from me on this podcast. <laughs> but with that said, maybe you just shouldn't have gone. Yeah, you're also not going to find a pro-anti-lockdown uh, take right. from me on this pod. Uh, anyway. We don't... Dingus. <laughs> Dingus is correct. Um. Anyway, at the rose ceremony, absolutely out of nowhere, Lockie sends home Nicole. As far as I can tell, there hasn't even been the remotest reason for this or, like, nope. hint that it might happen. Other than the fact that it was flagged earlier in the episode when his sister said... When her sister said, do you think you'll keep Nicole? Sure, but that doesn't even count as flagging it because I'm sure he said yes. You know? <laughs> I'm sure yeah. he said yes and then they cut the yes. Yeah. I think, like, they often, when there's an intruder, they will often pick somebody beloved or at least, like, unexpected to go home that week. Totally. Right. But, again, like, this just felt really dissatisfying and pretty cold on Lockie's behalf, I think. Yeah. Like, they actually did seem to have a pretty genuine, like, spark at the start. Obviously, she got the triple fuck rose or whatever. Yeah. This is Um, Frocky from night one. Right. Exactly. We named an episode after her. Yeah. We um, we will see her in paradise. I sure hope. I'm sure you're right. She seems nice. She does seem nice. She's one yeah. of the more like just straight up nice, good at it, you know, happy, good. Right, right. People. And it sucks that her time came to an end during lockdown. But at the same time, mm. if there was ever going to be a time to have your heart broken on TV, mm. not in person is the True. time for it to happen. And you and don't even have to pack your stuff. Yeah, so she kind of comes out, ironically, smelling like roses. <laughs> really good. Uh, Nicole says, I wish I could give you all a hug to the women. And I'm like, God, that's a bit grim. Um, <laughs> and Lockie says, I'm so happy I got to meet you. I'm just sorry I had to end like this. And I'm like, are you though? Are you really sorry? Because there are other people you might have been able to send. <laughs> Um, and again, with the weird like time frame stuff, there's a promo at the end of this episode that says, tomorrow night, after months of FaceTime and frustration, dot, dot, dot. And then when the next episode starts, Osha welcomes us back into the mansion and says, after weeks of lockdown, this is about to get real. Right. I get that you can measure time using any of, like you could say, <laughs> after hundreds of thousands of minutes of lockdown. After acre upon acre of lockdown. Right. <laughs> I don't know. After kilograms funny. of lockdown. <laughs> uh, um, my favorite thing to, to come out of this passage, though, is where Ro- Ro- Roxy says that she's so sick of laptops and the internet. <laughs> <laughs> They're not going away, Roxy. Oh, oh, she's so unhappy with laptops and the internet and logging on and not being able to snack from the giant Neopets omelette for fear that it transmits COVID-19. There's so much going on. 
I love the idea that they are so adjusted to life in The Bachelor that now, after spending a little bit of time at home, regular things that are so basic parts of everyone's <laughs> life. Like, ugh, so sick of drinking out of regular non $500 glassware. <laughs> I think it's pretty cute. Uh, well, where, where do you stand on like them doing limo arrivals again? You know? Cute. I thought this was nice. Yeah, I think it's a nice, like, it's a nice way to actually mark the occasion and to as opposed to a lot of techniques that they've used to kind of ignore that any of this has happened i think it's a good way of them being like we're hitting the accelerator again something weird happened and now we're back to you know with yeah plus what says like the start of the bachelor more than limo arrivals right exactly although i will say that this limo arrival segment really draws attention to the fact that they don't normally do this in the dead of winter Oh, they look so they cold. They look so cold. And at this point, I'm like constantly aware of Lockie's very visible misty breath. Right. And I'm trying not to think too hard about the little particles and the droplets that are floating in it and all that stuff. <laughs> this is the point where I'm like, please give me a, just a 30 second like blank text on screen disclaimer saying like everyone's been tested. We're good to go. Right. But they, they didn't really lay that groundwork. So I'm just feeling insecure watching it. Irina emerges first wearing this gorgeous glimmery bodysuit and I'm like, it's too cold <laughs> for this outfit. It is. It's too cold, but it's also like the gorgeous glimmery colour of Bella's winner outfit from oh, night one. That's true. I was like, ooh, do we have any front runner? Right. Are we shifting the narrative now at this point? It's an interesting um, way to, you know, because this episode is kind of from this point about pivoting away from Bella in a number of ways. Yeah, yeah. We start to lean it towards Irina. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm just thinking about, like, and I'm not in a weird way thinking about Irina having to get fully naked for a piss. Like, uh-huh. but bodysuit, that's just kind of where your mind goes a lot of the time. It's like sub 10 degree weather. Um, Izzy shows up next wearing white and she says, I'm innocent. And then they both crack up laughing. This was so funny. <laughs> I love this. Yeah, that's good. She's funny. Yeah. Um, Steph walks down the driveway and says, my adventure man, <laughs> which is like, I don't know the why. greatest hero of them all. Yeah. It feels like something that the bachelor contestant, like, uh, like doll would have when you pull their yes. drawstring. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. It is very, um, AI simulation of the bachelor. <laughs> like if you wrote a script that was like play out a season yeah. of the bachelor. Yeah. One of them would say, like, the computer would generate something that said, my adventure man. <laughs> totally. It's like my blank attribute, you know, fill in the... Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Uh, Roxy arrives and says she's anxious to see, quote, some people. Um, nah. And then Juliet arrives and Roxy in confessional says, I am depleted that Juliet has just walked in. <laughs> <laughs> I don't uh, know what Roxy what was expecting? expecting to happen. Oh, all the people who are on this show are on this show. Ugh. Oh, no. <laughs> there was so much of this with Roxy where she was like, just I just wanted to touch on Roxy's vocabulary over the course of sure. from the beginning of last night up until now. Yeah. At different point, she says she's going to lose her shit. She's shitting herself. <laughs> she's had enough shit. She thinks her mum has been talking shit. She thinks Juliet has been stirring up shit. She's taking the express train to Browntown, Xavier. <laughs> Caitlin, Irina, and Maddie all make valiant attempts to change the conversation as things ramp up, but Juliet and Roxy's spat continues. 
Juliet says, I don't like when everyone's home and then we're in the house and you act completely different. And Roxy says, bullshit, are you kidding? Are you paid to be here? You must be an actor because that is you in a nutshell. This is another one of those moments where I'm not actually really sure what they're arguing about. Like, I would have appreciated it if maybe this scene began, like, 45 seconds earlier. And so we got to see what it was like when they were, you know, 25% less angry and actually saying something. 100%. But the show wants to pipe in that red hot drama that is like contextless. And I think that that is, um, that's harmful in a certain way, because like, what are we portraying? The image of a hysterical woman. Right, exactly. I don't think this stuff just happens automatically. I don't think it comes out of nowhere. And I think like the stuff that is leading up to it, as we've said before, is going to be the more interesting stuff when we can actually figure out what is being argued over. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, And I also, you know, I think about this sort of stuff in the context of the, tropes that Sukriti was was talking to us about on the pod a few weeks ago <laughs> and you know we'll get to it with Beck in a minute as well where we just start to see this like ultimate mega my action man cool girl trope yes absolutely start to emerge as well and like I just think we should be mindful of what we're being presented in the way that it feeds into the archetypes that the show desperately needs and at this mm. point we've lost our major villain or we lose her i guess halfway through this episode yeah. after having lost Ariba and Laura earlier in the season and all of a sudden we can't be at the final 7 without a villain it is that interesting it's that we're reaching that point in every season which i'm simultaneously like the least interested in this chunk yes because it's kind of a pivot point where the entertaining characters the kind of quote unquote joke characters the villains and that sort of thing are starting to or mostly wrapped up being on the show and where you know they're setting the table for the actual nice romance stuff that we tend to believe is some of the best parts you know fingers crossed yeah um but at in this point we're kind of just like tying off some loose ends or or abandoning them or whatever it's like the sagan stuff last year yeah totally yeah it's a good point um, Bella arrives at this point. She gets very twinkly music and she jumps into Lockie's arms and they share a long kiss. When she enters the group, though, the mood changes. Irina avoids her and the women cotton onto this and they ask Bella what the story is with her and Irina. Um, so she tells Juliet, quote, she said to me that Lockie was calling her every day. So basically she's a compulsive liar. And in, in the moment, she says, quote, During lockdown, she implied that Lockie was making a lot of effort with her, bragging about how much she was talking to Lockie. So she has gotten the impression that Irina is trying to veer Lockie away from her. Okay. Firstly, let's, let's double back to give him the keys to the beach house for a second. Yeah. Because if that's not bragging about your relationship with your boyfriend, who's also dating these four other women, mm. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Secondly, I thought that Bella was the one who avoided Irina. What about that scene where she comes in and she gives everyone a hug and whether it happened or not, the show at the very least made it look like Bella very much did not give Irina a hug Mm. and walked straight away from her. Maybe I read that scene totally differently. I don't know. And I think that's interesting because we've had that a a couple of times with with Bella and with Irina so far this season. Mm. I Look, to be honest with you, I've been on team... Jacob for far too long to pivot to Team Bella at this point, <laughs> but I do think that it's interesting that um, the the reading of the show can be a, a little bit different among these two female leads because they at least gave us the time before 
they decided to pit them against each mm. other, right? Mm. We at least got a little bit of a chance to get to know Bella and Arena independently and then together as a duo. Sure. Yeah, that's true. Meanwhile, Beck arrives wearing a Carol Baskin chic dress <laughs> and Lockie immediately begins fawning over her, saying things like far out and four and oh, yeah. <laughs> Do you see what I mean about the fish? Yeah, actually, that's really true. Yeah, he's like, oh, I've copped a whopper. Osha <laughs> uh, welcomes everyone in and presents them with a single date card, which ends up going to Beck. But before we get to that, um, Bella says, quote, Irina is now sitting over there having a bitch about things that I can guarantee you are fabricated. And then obviously she doesn't appear to be. Um, we see her cuddled up with Lockie while twinkly piano music plays. Um, and then we see her in, in the moment saying, quote, if I'm being completely honest, I've missed Bella and I've missed our friendship. On rewatch, I was really shocked to see how much the deck was stacked against Bella here. Hugely. Like, how they very, very, like, clearly tried to create a, quote, hero and a, quote, villain, when in actual fact, like, it kind of just seems to me like there's been a misunderstanding in an environment with a lot of tension. Yeah. And I think... And so this is... Yeah. It's such a trend on the show, and in reality TV, you can understand why they are trying to simplify things as much as possible, but, you know, you can't help but think that, like, there are people with feelings, you know, involved... And I think both of them kind of deserve a bit better than this, this narrative trait, like being boiled down. Like, even if you get the good version and the show is favoring you, you are still just like some kind of angel or whatever. Like it, 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 it ignores who you are as a real person. Right. And you're still involved in some sort of petty argument about whether or not you were, what, texting someone too much information. Right. Or like, I don't, because yeah. you were texting before they called, it doesn't count as them calling you or whatever. Uh. Uh, look, this is this is semantics, mm. and it is so strange. But what I do want want to say that I think is interesting is that this is the dynamic that lockdown has created, and the environment mm. that it has fostered is suspicion. And the reason why I think is because weirdly you're removed from each other. Yeah, you know, and being the women, but then also I assume this means that Bella and Irina, having made friends, were in contact pretty regularly, yeah. talking about you know, Lockie and their situation because it's unique and you probably want to have someone to talk to during that time, but not being able to be together, at least when it's happening in front of your eyes, you know it. Yeah. You know? And in this environment, Irina being removed and Bella being removed and Lockie being removed from them both has created this, like, um, it's like the invisible love triangle. And sometimes mm. what informs your perspective is more like, your own thoughts about whether or not that's acceptable mm. or, you know, the things that you tell yourself, the narratives that you make up about, well, oh, he's probably texting her at this time or, you know, feeling bad about yourself because, well, he called her. Why didn't he call me? Right. Yeah. Particularly as these two women have established themselves as the front runners. Totally. Yeah. So they, they have a bit of a chat amongst themselves and they're like, you know, Irina still getting a really positive edit and we see her saying like, you know, she's missed talking to her and the tension feels weird. And Bella's like, yeah, but I feel like I've been backstabbed. When you tell me that Lockie calls you every day, which never happened, you insinuated that he called you. You didn't say, oh, yeah, I messaged him and he'd give me a call. To Irina, it makes no difference. To Bella, it matters a lot. And I think, like, honestly, it actually kind of does in a way that I think the show is not interested in dealing with. Like, obviously, on a micro level, we get it. They're talking every day, you know? It doesn't yeah. really matter who's dialing the number or whatever but within this environment which has so much uncertainty and insecurity baked into the crust <laughs> <laughs> where 
all they really have to go off is, you know, their relationship with The Bachelor and their relationship with each other. The amount to which The Bachelor is pursuing you versus the amount that you are pursuing them is a really big deal. Yes. And all that you have to measure how well you're doing and to measure the strength of your relationship with them is what you personally feel and what you hear about what other people are doing. And so when you overhear that somebody else is, you know, I because it, it's such a different thing between, you know, chasing someone and, you know, getting some of their time by engaging with them every day or no, like hearing that that person is receiving contact from that from the bachelor every day uh-huh i wonder how much i agree with that i don't i so on the one hand i think you're right in that the emotional language that informs Lockie calling Irina or Irina texting Lockie and then Lockie calling Irina mm. did i get that right yeah i think so <sighs> to me watching the show i was like fuck who cares but mm. In the sense that it is being presented to someone else as a degree of, with a degree of certainty, right? I guess that's where it where it starts to matter is in the presentation of it and in the like description of the information. Mm. But then also you probably want to, if I don't I don't begrudge Irina for, you know, if she's saying he called me, saying that because. Mm. Probably she feels that detail that that little secret that she texted first mm. is a little bit irre- irre- irrelevant <laughs> <laughs> to to the facts. Yes, um, I think that's the thing is that I can understand it on both sides. That obviously it is kind of an irrelevant detail in almost any situation. Like yeah. it doesn't. I can't. You know, we're dealing with a very heightened and. Uh, different relationship dynamic than any of these people have dealt with before. Yeah. And I guess what we're dealing with ultimately is disclosure and Bella's, you know, presentation of Irina is that she is sort of like, that she doesn't have any empathy in right. w- the way that she disclosed what she disclosed and the amount that she disclosed. Mm. And well, I, but I also look at that situation and I don't think, think that she's like Irina, I robot. It's like, <laughs> You know, I, I think that there is an amount of, um, there is an amount that you're entitled to keep to yourself. And I do feel yeah. like to some extent, Bella being like, we were best mates, we were best mates. Is Bella, Bella kind of weaponizing a friendship in a situation where you are in a love competition? And that is the complexity. That is the interest yeah. that I wanted to see play out over longer before the show just upturned it and went like, fuck you, Bella. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. And I think that that's the, the issue here is that they just decide that there is a good person and a bad person instead of right. um, something that needs to be worked out between two human beings. Uh, and then again, like we watch their attempt at reconciling or trying to work it out. And look, yes, the show does present it as one of them being good and one of them being bad, but I certainly watched it and th- through the lens that I watched it through, I thought there was one person who was uh, more reasonable than the other person. And I think that in the act of, of getting up and walking away. So there's two things here, right? Mm. Um, so actually, do you have a, do you have a um, description of how this plays out? Yeah. Um, Let's get there first. Okay. Bella calls Izzy to the stand to vouch for her. 
um, or maybe to help explain this to Irina or sort of to try and mediate or something like that in a kind of like, am I crazy here sort of way? Um, but it, it doesn't get to that. Um, Irina says, Bella, I can get other people involved too if I wanted to, but I don't, which is a fair point. Cause I think that tactic of just like being, you know, having someone else to bounce it off is, um, almost an admission that you're not capable of, you know, making yourself clear on your own terms. I found it rude. Yeah. Um, Bella says, Irina, I don't trust you anymore. I'm sorry. Friendship over. I'm fucking over your bullshit, to be honest. You're a manipulative little bitch. As she's walking away yeah. as well. So there's two things here, right? One of them is that her getting up and walking away removes the agency for Irina to be able to continue to have the conversation. Yeah. But it also, you know, I guess removes Bella from the situation um, in a way that she can give herself whether she wants to or not, the the last word and the last statement in the conversation. Right. Because that's um, the thing. I think, I think it's an important thing to realize when a discussion or an argument or whatever it is, is going badly and you need to take some space and you need to leave that situation. Yes. That is a really useful skill to have. But yes. this is not exactly what Bella's doing here. I think what Bella's right. doing, as you said, is trying to get the last word and, you know, kind of just expelling her negative emotion anger, frustration, all of that onto Irina. And there's, um, you know, there's knowing when a conversation is going badly and taking time out. And there's also seeing the conversation is going badly for you and running away. Yeah. 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 Trying to drop a bomb on your way out. And that's more what this felt like to me because Irina just kind of sat there and was like, well, okay, learn my lesson. Yeah. She kind of like questions Bella's maturity and, you know, I can imagine a lot of people doing the same thing. Yeah, whereas the the point of distinction that I want to draw is like, for example, when we see Juliet sitting there going, uh, "Oh well, I guess Roxy's just guess Roxy's just furious for no reason," mm. you know, like we know what has informed that to the extent that we've watched Juliet ask those questions mm. that you know at this point she must know are going to incense Roxy, yeah. right, and to to continue doing it to exhibit a pattern of behavior and right or wrong you know uh when juliet is like i don't know why she's feeling like that we're like yes you do yeah we're like like, yeah um whereas here the um irena is the juliet right but we don't have any of that um context to say like oh she's been fucking fanning the flames for weeks of course this is what has created this reaction in bella um and instead what we see is bella being quite irate quite emotional and Irina sitting there going bro i don't know i don't know what's happening here yeah roxy and lucky have some alone time where she brings up how lucky kissed bella at the last cocktail party now the last cocktail party is an interesting phrase because they have had what they're calling cocktail parties over zoom but that's not what she's talking about She's referring to the last cocktail party at the mansion, which happened, like, two months before. Right. And, like, this is not to say that two months of trauma can't be um, real trauma. Um, Having had a great date and then watching Lockie go off and kiss Bella straight away, I'm sure that was upsetting for her. Mm. However, I think the point of contention here is that I think Lockie thinks they've worked through it. Right. And is expecting a level of understanding of the process that he is engaged in and that Roxy has signed up for right. that Roxy simply isn't willing to provide. Yeah, and it did seem like they had on some level discussed it and seemingly dealt with it and, it, you know, Roxy sort of seemed to have made her peace with it in a way that kind of comes up again here 
Um, yeah. She asks, would you do it again? And Lockie says, would I do what jumps into my head? Most likely. And she groans yeah. and kind of, we all kind of groan. Um, and he asks her to consider it from his position. And she says, pointedly, I am. And I think you're having a great time. Yeah. I just don't want it to be a Mac fest at the end of the day. And I'm like, I think you're thinking of Sophie Monk's season, Roxy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like we've been to paradise twice with this man. Um, And then Roxy says, look, coming back, I've let that go, but I still have my guard up. And Lockie says, I don't think you have. And she Mm. says, well, what do you want me to do about that? And then in and in the moment, he says, I totally do not believe her. (laughs) And he's, I feel like in, in this cutaway, he is losing his cool. Yes, I love it. I thought this was good. Yeah. I thought this was good TV at the very least, you know? And it's nice to hear him express a degree of frustration and honesty from, like, The Bachelor is usually so wooden. Sure, that's true. And, like, we're never given the opportunity to see anything other than, like, straight composure or, like, how cool is this boat from The Bachelor? (laughs) That's true. Um, So to, to watch him express frustration, I felt, was really interesting. And I did... Um, and I'm sure it is a technique of the show, but I sided with him in this moment, mm. even though like, I think that his argument of would I do what jumps into my head is a bit straw man as well, because that's not what he's asking her or she's asking him. Right. Rather. Right. And it's, yeah, it's, it's not what she's looking for either. Like, no, there is a better way. Cause I agree with him that like, obviously it is the role of the bachelor includes a lot of this stuff. Includes the, a full MacFest. Yeah. And it's the, one of the benefits of being The Bachelor. Sure, yeah. Um, and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean that he should have to apologize for every action. Right. But Repeatedly. by the same... Yeah, but by the same token, um, if it is still causing her this level of distress... Yeah. It is not going to be that much more difficult for him to try and explain it again. Right. That's That's part of it. And, you know, I think that maybe if he is invested in having a relationship with... Roxy, he does have a level of emotional responsibility to her to do that work. Yeah. Uh, however, I will say that if she's presenting something as I'm over it, then you're not weaponizing it. If you're over it, you're not turning that around and using it as a, a point of, of contention with the man that you want to date. Mm. Do you know what I'm mm. trying, saying? You're not trying to um, weaponize it against him, which he very clearly is here. Right. Um, but then Roxy says, how about you keep doing you? I'm not going to judge you about what happened. Hit the refresh button. Everything's cool. Um, which lasts a moment while there's another segment. Um, Lockie gives the date card to Beck. And then Roxy's mood pretty much instantly begins to dip again. Mm. In fact, she's talking to about four other women. But as Juliet walks into shot and sits down or tries to sit down, she does a big exaggerated sigh or like a groan to signal that she's not happy to see Juliet. Um, Beck mentions she's surprised that this cocktail party is so dramatic and Steph jokes that this is actually pretty mild. <laughs> the way he likes them. Uh, and Juliet jumps in to say that only Bella and Roxy have really been upset this evening. I feel like this is one of the more minor grievances that Juliet has committed um, in, in her ongoing uh engagement with roxy yeah um while i feel that the juliet roxy thing is a two-way street um and there is like culpability on both sides this is not one of the worst things we've seen from juliet 
no, um, no, it's not. This is um, she's indicating that she'd like to maybe turn onto the street. <laughs> right. Roxy does not agree. She says, "Oh, for fuck's sake, really? There you go again. I knew you'd sit down and do something stupid." She hasn't even sat down. <laughs> I don't think she actually made it. Um, yeah, this is the thing where I'm like, Roxy has just been kind of absolutely ground down over the past few months. Um, right. She is. She doesn't have that much rope left at this point, I think, and so it doesn't take yeah. a lot to set her off. She walks off saying, I'll fuck off. Go fuck myself, right? Um, but then we quickly cut to her talking to a producer saying, she's had a target on my back since day one. Um, and then she says, get the cameras off my face. I'm out. A handler says, you need to calm down, Rox. And she says, no, nope, I've had enough. I'm not going to be pushed around. Um, and then, yeah, very abruptly, she makes the decision to leave. And she tells Steph that there's a car on the way for her. And she quietly sort of sneaks out the front door saying, fuck you, Juliet skank. Allegedly, Roxy has told the media that while she was in there having a conversation with the producers, Juliet came in and said something nasty to her, but Roxy won't say what it is, and that is what caused her to leave. There was a stray shot of Juliet, like, walking across the... Like, they they obviously didn't get coverage of it, because there's a shot of Juliet kind of just walking across a room... And then mm. you hear audio of Roxy saying, get out of here, Juliet, or something like that. Yeah. But I, I would have to assume that if something happened, they would probably show it. I think there is a temptation when somebody leaves the show under different circumstances to a rose ceremony mm. that we, or people who are watching the show or people who are talking about the show will try and dig through it and find what the straw that broke the camel's back was. Or like, right. you know, we will try and look into like what happened just off camera that we didn't see, but I bet would explain everything really conveniently. We're guilty of it on this pod. Totally. Yeah. And a lot of the time it feels like you can crack that. But I think yeah. in this circumstance, the main thing that, that, that provides an explanation that I'm comfortable with is that Roxy's been having a really bad time on this show for ages. Yeah. You know, and and for a variety of different reasons. And it's not necessarily one thing that set her off or that, you know, um, made this night particularly worse than any of the others. Um, Yeah. Maybe it's just being back in the mansion again and flashing back to the bad times that she was having there before. Um, You know, there's a million things. But I, I think, like, she is kind of you know, in all of the emotion and um, adrenaline of this um, night, she has had the clarity to realize something that I think that we may have been able to spot a little earlier, that it's just yeah. not working for her. You know, it's not... The, this is not an environment that's conducive Right, and the her. potential gain or, you know, what she's looking to get out of it is not worth the struggle and sacrifice getting there. And also, like, this is not an environment that people come onto to have a good time. Well, that's true. Yeah. You know? Ultimately, the way that this show works and what it's predicated on is that there's one person who probably endures an amount of emotional turmoil and then gets to have a good time, and there's also The Bachelor. Right. And then the rest of them, invariably, will go on the TV, probably not have that good of a time, and then get their heart broken. Unless you're, you know, fortunate enough to be one of the, like, in-the-good-books narrators. Yeah, which is a small number. Um yeah. It almost feels like the best case scenario is to get voted out pretty early. You know, right. like somebody like Janie, who um, did kind of get pigeonholed a little bit, but ultimately 
um you know they they showcased a side of her personality um and nothing incredibly like devastating happens to her that's kind of what you can hope for from this show really right right like we're not sitting here being like oh um Janie oh Steph Crothers Mm. you know um god uh how bad is any one of those women who uh were sent home early as a part of this show but you know ended up either coming back in paradise no one's like Oh no! What's the girl who came in at the very end of um? Is Kelsey of Paradise this year? Christy Kikirily. <laughs> She's one of the. Don't K's. test me on this. There's Don't so you many dare. of them. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> look what I what I think I'm trying to say is like this environment isn't good for a lot of people, mm. and it seemed to have been particularly bad for Roxy. And at this point, you know, yes, she's phrasing it as "fuck you." Juliet but um I don't know check yes Juliet because the um it's it's the show it's the environment Mm. of the show that seems to have worn her away rather than you know necessarily like this one woman even though what we see is the show sort of like pinning all of this this tension on right it's like the whole it's the whole Capulets it's the problem Ah. um anyway yes (laughs) Anyway, then she's just gone. Um, and then we wake up the next morning and Irina very naturally says, ladies, I'm making coffees. Would anyone like one? And she's standing <laughs> next to this huge like grocery store display of Starbucks mugs. That's right. It's time once again. I'm playing the jingle again. Extremely, extremely subtle. Sponsored. Sponsored. Content. Content. Products. Cut to Lockie grieving his relationship with Roxy. He seems very affected by it for the next 30 seconds um, Uh whilst getting ready for his second single date with Beck. Um, Like, again, I'm like, I guess it's a second single date. I don't really. Yeah. Um, Beck says, I'm so excited that I can finally do something with him that's not just sitting behind a screen. Yeah, finally. (laughs) (laughs) Having to do that one time must have been really awful. Who knows how long they were doing it for. Mm. Yeah, well, that's another question. Is like the when did the intruder actually come in? Yeah, um, have they? Who knows how long she was there for? Right, have they been talking for a month? Have they been talking for a day? Six weeks? Who can say? I just feel like imagine, and there are so many people listening right now who are in this position, like being in Melbourne, being still in the midst of like a very uh, difficult period of being locked down. Yeah, um, and just having some fucking where's she from like sunshine coast or something just being like oh god all that horrible <laughs> i don't know ah uh, that's funny yeah um but yeah uh, they're going whitewater rafting together um which i think is fitting because the progression of their relationship and in fact the editing of the last few episodes have been so rapid hey um Lockie says whitewater rafting is quite scary so it's going to be very very fun as we know, everything that is scary is fun. Um, for example, learning about how many nuclear weapons are in circulation at the moment. Currently about 14,000. Christ. Um, or for another example, a yucky bug touching you. <laughs> <laughs> Beck falls in the water and Lockie grabs her and pulls her back into the boat and kisses her. Big boy. Big. Big large big boy. boy. Strong. Not unlike, let me just say, Lucky's catching a fish. Oh, that's true. That's very true, in fact. It is weird that he uses a net. 
Yeah, yeah, that part of it. Yeah, and she comes up and she is kind of bleeding from the hook that Toro yeah, she's doing out here. <laughs> Flopping around. Uh, look, I um, I was unaware that Ocean Girl was on this series and I, I'm <laughs> fully in favor of it. Yeah. Uh, they get through the rapids and have another little kiss before arriving at a little floor batchy couch, I want to say. Yeah. Um, with some warm gin drinks. A flatchy couch. Oh, that's great. Um, the bottle of gin is very pointedly faced out to the camera, but I have played the jingle too many times already this episode. Uh, we learn that Beck doesn't like it when her partner sleeps with the TV on and Lockie says, I have to have the TV on. And she says, I know. Yeah. How the fuck do you know, ma'am? I don't know. What's going on here? I I mean, I wonder if this is a conversation that they've had before that we're just now getting to see played out for TV on the first time. Very strange that they haven't addressed it, though. Yeah, it seems like this sort of thing where production would be like, have that conversation again. Right. That's funny. Talk about that on TV. Yeah, totally. Um, But they both agree that they see a future together, and he gives Becca Rose in person this time, not, Mm -hmm. like, (laughs) over the cushion. Um, (laughs) And they share a kiss, and that's kind of the end of the episode. Yeah. Look, uh, I don't know how... how, Okay, so I have also a structural question, right? Uh Which is the cocktail party didn't end up in a rose ceremony. Right, I think that maybe because, Lockie, because left? Lockie didn't leave. No, Roxy, Roxy. Why do I keep confusing Lockie <laughs> and Roxy? Hey, it won't be happening much longer. Hey. Um, yeah, so I had that, stru- that structural question. And then I'm interested that we have chosen to leave it here on, uh, on, a, on the end of a single date because what are the stakes again for next week? Well, we're going to have an episode that is probably all cocktail party. That's my guess. We see, we do, they do do the like next week on and yes. they do, we see some clips of the like blindfolded touchy feely date again. Oh, great. Which like is always quite fun. Um, just like weirdly horny, probably an injection that the show <laughs> needed at this point. Um, doesn't look super COVID safe. I'm not an expert, but um, so yeah, I'm guessing there'll be a group date. Maybe something will go down on the group date and then we'll spend all fucking night at the cocktail party hashing it out. That's my guess. Can't wait. So much to look forward to here on the Bachelor of Hearts podcast. That'll wrap us up for another episode. Xavier Bretzky Noon, thank you so much for uh, being here. Hey, it's my pleasure. Um, by being here, you mean at my house where I am. Uh, it's good to be here. My bed's just over there and I love it. <laughs> Max Quinn, thank you for joining me on our wonderful podcast. 101 Dalmate. Del- <laughs> See if we can... Uh, they can, no, there's no joke. Nope. No, it feels like it should no, be. No, there's no. not. I'll tell you what, though, we did come here to make 101 friends. If that is <laughs> who you think that you could be, then come on down, Larry Emda, to the Bachelor <laughs> of Hearts Osh posting Facebook group. We have so many friends. We love yeah. talking about the show. There's goss in there. There's what else? Um, opinions, thoughts. Um, sometimes memes. Sometimes memes. Sometimes objectionable jokes true yeah Here posted we are. by me not yep. posted by me all sorts me 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 um yeah you can find us uh there you can find us on twitter you can find us on instagram at boh pod um i want to quickly just say what up and happy xrn day a little late <laughs> but uh happy zave day to the zave heads uh i'd like to know how you all celebrated uh my 28th birthday which did take place this week <laughs> Um, I got a bed, I got Guitar Hero, and I got 
a stuffed Paddington who is yeah. sitting at me while I do this episode, and he's Gotta coming say, he's on camera now. He's a bear. He oh, is a he's real a handsome lad. Will you screenshot this for me? Okay. Yes. Hold on. Okay. Done. Thanks also to everybody who uh, gave us a five star review or rating or something this week, because there's tons and tons of them. Yeah, They've all been flooding in, and they're really sweet and very nice and very thoughtful. So thank you very much. That's yeah. Um, really, really kind of you you can find him on instagram at xavier rni i'm on instagram at uh cantus laws <laughs> okay why not i love this bit i like yeah. the i Gets like better the every week bit. thank you so much yeah. all right well uh listeners that'll do it we gotta go we love you we love you goodbye, goodbye. My life, I just want